Hey, I uh, want to think about uh, what it means to be part of a church family this morning. And, um, you know, uh, Notre Dame burned down. I'm sure you're all aware of that. Um, I've got a photo of the before. Isn't that beautiful? One of the most beautiful churches, cathedrals in the entire world. And uh, then, of course, the fire did its damage. Unfortunately, a lot of the building and the artifacts were saved. But uh, what I found very interesting is uh, a lot of the French Catholics have been gathering together. In fact, there's an article written that said, you know, I think uh, maybe God's trying to speak to us. Maybe we should stop being so shy and reserved about our faith, and maybe we should be more vocal. And I thought, wow, that's cool. I think God is speaking to them. And I think God is also trying to say something else. Guys, it really is not about the building. It's about the one you built it for. And so I'm thinking, boy, there's some kind of revival perhaps going on. But you see, you wouldn't know those things. You would be fooled into thinking it's really about the building unless you actually knew what God's mission is. What is God up to? What is the point? What's this whole thing called creation all about? And what is God really after? What does he want from us? And so we've all seen examples of, you know, things that God... Um, supposedly is after. So you have to ask the question, is it maybe to hold church services? The really the chief end of mankind is to be in a building once a week. If everybody on the planet was in a church or a synagogue or in mass, God would be so happy. That would be it, man. Touchdown. Is that it? Okay, how about... Um, Maybe what God's really about, his mission is to teach everybody certain rituals and ceremonies, and they would have memorized when to stand up, kneel, sit down, stand up again, genuflect properly, and then go home. Is that what it's all about? And then just go live a whole different life during the week? No, can't be. How about God's mission is to make everybody scared? Just continue to just throw out these threats of punishment and this fire and brimstone, you know, words of condemnation or shaming or guilt tripping us into toeing the line. Is that what God's about? Can't be. Those are so narrow and so small and so ridiculous. If you know somebody who has a hard time ever wanting to come to a church of any kind, maybe that's a reason. Because for some reason, those kinds of messages have been what we've been portraying and proclaiming. Instead of portraying and proclaiming the actual message of the mission of our Heavenly Father. I can tell you what the Bible says God's mission is. Jesus put it this way. He said, um, I have come to give you life and life more abundantly, right? That was like the mission of God. That was his whole point. That all of humanity would experience the life of God in abundance, but there's another way you can state it, too, from the Old Testament. It's a really cool word. The mission of God is to bring shalom to every person on earth. Shalom. You've heard the word before. I used to think, man, I just meant, hey, peace, bro. You know, peace. We all know it means peace. But there's so much more to it than that. Um, God's highest good and the most valuable human experience that he wants us to have, his mission is that we would experience shalom, which actually means wholeness in every aspect of life. That's his hope for humanity. That's his mission. That's why he sent Jesus. I uh, was thinking about this a little bit, and 
doing some studying on definitions and those kind of things, but I, I really wanted to find out first, where, where did this word come from? Where did it first appear? And um, let's take a look at some background on this. Shalom is wholeness, health, prosperity, and life, a life that's flourishing in every aspect. Where did it come from? It comes from a story in Judges with a man called Gideon who was called by the Lord to be a leader in Israel. And the story goes that... Um, Gideon had several encounters with God, one after another, after another, after another. And then his final encounter, he see, he didn't really know it was God. He thought it was just an angel. Well, that's a pretty big deal anyway. He didn't know it was like God. And so he's kind of doing, having this conversation and responding and asking questions and then doing things to kind of prove that he's who he says he is. And at the very last encounter, he realized, he screamed literally, you're God! I mean, he just like panics. He just freaks out. And here's what God says to him. It is so cool. He says, Gideon, number one, shalom. First time that word occurs. Shalom. Settle down. Don't be afraid. I'm not going to kill you. That's what God says. So what he's implying is that Gideon actually expected to be tortured or dead once he understood it was the presence of God. So, so his, his thinking about God was completely warped. God just completely reverses his understanding. He says, no, shalom to you. Don't be afraid, man. No, wholeness, peace, prosperity, contentment in every aspect of your life, Gideon. So Gideon, at that moment, realized he had God all wrong. Kind of like some of those church descriptions that we just went through. And so with that, the Bible says, Gideon built an altar to the Lord, and he named it Jehovah Shalom. God is Shalom. It's so cool because Gideon is recognizing God doesn't just do kind things, perform wonderful acts for people. He is the essence of blessing, the essence of goodness. He is the essence of Shalom. It's just in his very being. He can't help himself. In fact, that's his name, one of 16 names. He's got a lot of other characteristics as well, of course. But shalom is the essence of God. And so out of his heart comes his mission for planet Earth. It's who I am to bring shalom to every person who has ever lived. So we can expand that definition just a little bit further. The Greek or Hebrew word, rather, is shalom. It's spelled, or spelled a little differently, but it's actually pronounced the same way. And it means, in, here's a complete entire definition. Completeness, safety, wholeness, welfare, health, prosperity, peace, tranquility, and contentment. Anybody vote for that for your life? Yes. I like that. Yeah, come on, bring it. That's what I want. And so, let's switch gears for just a second. I want to... Uh, ask you a few questions. And this is kind of going to be popcorn time where I'm going to ask you to just jump out, pop out, and say a few things. And if you don't, well, I've got something back up for you, so don't worry. But I, I've got a question for you. Here's um, what I want to know. When you're thinking about your neighbors, people you work with, people you go to school with, people that you just encounter every day, what big things in life do you think most of them are trying to avoid or escape? What kinds of things? Drama, good one, yeah. I'm sorry, pain, good one. Okay, I'm sorry? Sickness, yeah. Confrontation, yes, what else? Jury duty. That's awesome, yeah, good one. Yeah, they're all, I mean, we're, 
these are common things, right? I mean, everybody, we're all sort of the same. So I put a little list together, and it's um, similar to what you guys said. Fear, we don't want to be afraid. We don't want to be lonely. We don't want to be rejected. We don't want to be sick. Some of you said, we don't want to die. And if you have death, you have to have, of course, taxes. <laughs> and we really don't want to be rejected. I got that twice. We don't want to be poor. We don't want to fail. There's all kinds, and there's probably a myriad of other things. Would you agree these are common sentiments among all humans? Okay, that's just the nature of our world, the nature of life on a broken planet. Okay, so now let's, let's look at these same people again, and tell me what you think they're longing for. Acceptance. Again? Acceptance. Acceptance, good. Security. Security. Wealth. Wealth, yeah. Love, did I hear love over here? Yeah. Peace. Peace, yeah. Health, yeah, good. Freedom, Freedom I love it. Friendship. Say again? Friendship. Friendship, yeah, very good. Okay, so similar to what you guys said, security, very common. We want to prosper. We want health. We want popularity. We want to be accepted. We want joy. We want love. We want friends. We want family. I mean, that's, that's common human experience, right? Yes. Common human desires. Now, let me ask you this. Are any of these things intrinsically sinful or evil? Is it bad to want these things? No. Does that make you unacceptable to God because you want these things? No. no, they're not disqualifiers at all. Let me ask you a third question. How do most people try to get these things? Through what means? Government. Through the government, yeah. Manipulation. Manipulation, sure, what else? Again? Money, money yeah. Try to buy their way. Yeah. What else? With their own power. With their own power, yep. Lying. By lying, yeah. Yeah. All kinds of, all kinds of um, ways to execute our own provision, right? So I wrote down a, a, a list of them. Some people want prestige through their work. If they work hard, they're going to be accepted. Um, some people use other people. Some people feel better when they have more possessions. They're collectors. Some people use substances in the wrong way. Uh, bigger house for some people, better car, more prestige, success, money. Some people say, if only I was married, gosh, then my life would be complete. It would just be awesome. And other people say, um, kids, if only we had kids. If you said that, can I talk to you later? <laughs> That's, that may not be what you think it is. Okay, I got another question for you. Are any of these things intrinsically evil or sinful? No. No. Only the one, substance abuse, right. you know? It brings a euphoria and it's no wonder people get addicted. That's just the nature, it's a fake high. But everything else, do you think God was angry that we would pursue these things or want these things? No, no. Yeah, if we do them the right way. So where do you think God has the problem? The problem is if we want all these things, what are we doing wrong? Why do they not always satisfy? They or we? We were made for something different. I remember. Pardon me? And ignoring Jesus, yeah. I'm so sorry. Instant gratification, yeah. Excellent. The word, uh, there's a song that says, uh, looking for love in all the wrong places. Basically, yeah, we're still in the wrong place, right? Yes. Okay, now let's fast forward. 
Let's go back uh, from Gideon and go all the way up to this guy called Isaiah. Isaiah in 61, verse 1 and 2, is speaking to Israel because Israel had once again forgotten about the nature, the true nature of God. They forgot what he was actually like. And so God is having to refine and redeclare his mission as clearly as he possibly can. And this is where Isaiah comes up with this famous verse. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me, that's Isaiah, because the Lord has anointed me, Isaiah, to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Okay, so here's my question. To whom is he speaking? What kinds of people does he list up here? Brokenhearted, yeah, and? The poor, yeah, and? Prisoners, yep, and the captives. Doesn't that sound a whole lot like the list of things people are trying to avoid? Let's ask this question. What is he going to bring to those people? What are, what's he offering? Freedom, yep. Good news, yep. What else? Favor, this is the year of the Lord's favor. Healing of broken hearts. Healing, yeah. Uh-huh. Release from darkness. Doesn't that sound a whole lot like the list we just came up with that's common among all people? You see, this is the shalom of God at work. This is the mission of God. This is what he's always been about. From the beginning of time through the middle of Israel's history. Now, wait a minute. Let's fast forward one more time from Isaiah to Jesus. And before we do, um, I want to tell you something about this verse we're going to read. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3, describes Jesus like this. He says, Jesus is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. Okay, so what Hebrews is saying is, there's God out there somewhere. We can't see him, but what we can see is what radiates from him. And you get, you get, wait for it, you get Jesus. And so Jesus now is about to um, make his first public appearance as the Son of God, the Savior of the world. And um, you know, you only have one chance to make a first impression. And so he's, I'm sure, thought about what's he going to say on his introduction to the world. And what he's about to describe is what his life is going to be about for the next three years. And so here we have recorded in the book of Luke where Jesus stands in the synagogue, which was his custom, and begins to speak to the people, which was his custom, all the way up through probably growing up years, or at least young men, until they're 30. And someone comes over and hands him the scroll of the Old Testament. And every synagogue in Israel had one scroll. They didn't have stacks of Bibles everywhere. There was one scroll. They all used the same scroll every single Saturday. Sabbath is Saturday, synagogue day. So they, they hand him the scroll, and he begins rolling and unrolling, rolling and unrolling, and rolling and unrolling, trying to find the spot that he wants to read from. He's rolling and he's unrolling. And the people are going, what's taking him so long? What is he up to? I've got bagels and locks waiting for me. Let's get out of here. And finally, he finds it. 
Finally, he finds it, and, and Luke records it like this. Jesus begins to read. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then he sat down and said, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Jehovah Shalom is standing before you now. Shalom is here. Mission accomplished. The Son of God has appeared. Not quite mission accomplished, though. Jesus would still have to spend three years teaching, doing miracles, living a life of perfection, as an example. He would still have to be crucified, a horrible death, executed on a cross, He would still have to die and be buried in the grave. He'd still have to rise from the dead. He'd still have to appear to his disciples for 40 days. He'd still have to rise back into heaven and send the Holy Spirit. Now, does any of that sound like an angry God? Does any of that sound like a God who's trying to extract life from us? It's a God who would do anything, go to any lengths. That's the mission of God in full view. Somebody once said, in fact, I think I wrote it down here. Yeah, this is good. I am more flawed than I ever dared believe. And I am more accepted and loved than I ever dared hope. Shalom has come. This is abundant life. This is the goodness of God in living color. So the message of Resurrection Day that we're celebrating today really is just one piece of the puzzle, it's the entire message that, that we have to embrace. And so the, those parts are, the Bible says, if anyone embraces the death of Jesus for their forgiveness, for their idolatries, if anyone believes with all their heart that God raised him from the dead, and if we receive the Holy Spirit to become the center and the guide for our entire lives, you'll have eternal life. You'll live forever. You'll live forever, qualified, guaranteed, cleansed, pure, whiter than snow. You're in. Oh, that sounds too simple. Wait a minute, I have to do something. Well, good luck. (laughs) There's not enough we could ever do to undo the wrongs that we've done. And all the times when we sought after other things for our shalom instead of God. Those have been done. That's on our track record. And, and anything less than perfection cannot live in the presence of God in heaven for eternity. So we have to be forgiven. That's the only way. We have to receive his mercy. And that Jesus atoned for our sins by himself. Did I, did I talk about idolatry? I just mentioned it once. You know, um, all those things that we listed when we long for, you know, wealth or prosperity or success or friendship, family, kids, those can become idols. And the only reason God doesn't like idolatry is because it's just so dumb. It's like worshiping a tiki, you know, on your bookshelf or something. It's just about, it's that small compared to the giver of shalom. And idolatry is, is probably one of the most dangerous sins because it's the easiest one to fall into. And it kind of is the, the birthplace for every other thing that we do poorly or do wrong. 
or displeasing to God. So I want you to know it requires forgiveness and mercy and an act that occurred outside of you and I for us to make it to heaven. And then we become better people. Then we serve God, not to earn our way in, but because we've been given a way in. Um, you know, Jesus came to proclaim good news. That's what we read in Luke. Good news. It's the gospel. And a lot of times we, we think about the gospel in a very, very narrow kind of way, and we don't really have the whole shalom message. For you Christians here, um, we, we need to make sure we've got the entire message that we share with people, not just the, well, have you ever heard of that tract? It's called Bridge to Life. Remember Bridge to Life? Back in the day, 70s, you know, you'd hand out tracts. Well, if, if you don't remember, it looked kind of like this. There was this guy... You know, this is, oh, in fact, this is, uh, this is a little seven-year-old boy was telling this story. He, he said to his parents, Mom, Dad, I want to I go to heaven when I die. And so they broke out the tract, the bridge to life. And so here's what the tract says. Here's how it goes. It goes, this is you standing on a cliff, and you're kind of at the end of your life. And at the end of your life, you better be right with God or you're not going to make it. And you see, God's over here, and um, nobody can get to him by themselves. No matter how good they are, no matter how much work they do, how much they feed the poor, give money, go to church, do whatever. There's not enough you can do to get across that gap, bridging the gap. And the little boy goes, well, heck, I'll just run and jump. I'll just jump across it. And mom goes, no, 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 son, you can't do that. You don't get it. You see, this is a, it's not just a gap, it's a chasm. And, and by the way, if you don't make it, guess what? There's flames at the bottom. You know, there's, there's hell. And, you're gonna, and if you try to do this on your own, you're going to end up in the flames of hell. Well, now the seven-year-old is starting to freak out. He's going, ma, ah, ah, And he said, don't worry, son, don't worry. Guess what? God loves you so much. He sent his son to die for you. And the son's looking at that, and he goes, if I can't jump across, how am I going to climb over that thing? And they said, son, no, just know this. If you accept Jesus in your heart, you pray the prayer, you're going to make it to God. You'll be able to be with him forever. Very relieved. He prayed the prayer, and I hope to see him in heaven someday. Now, here's, here's the problem. If this is all the gospel message is, what would you call that? Fire insurance. Fire insurance, exactly. <laughs> you know, notice the, the kid is standing on the end of the cliff, it's like at the end of life as if what really matters is, I mean, you can do whatever you want for your whole life. Just make sure that before you die, you pray the prayer and you're good. And that is not it at all. That's, I mean, again, that's such a ridiculous notion that the mission of God is so small. All it has to do with is eternity. The truth is God wants shalom from the day we're born. He wants us to experience the fullness of life and have a guarantee of heaven at the end of life. All in one. So Christians, we're supposed to be experiencing shalom every day right now. And the only way we do that is recognize if the Holy Spirit lives in you, breathe him in death constantly. If he lives in you, seek him constantly. Listen to him constantly. Look for his joy, his peace, his wholeness, his completeness, his safety, his prosperity, his success. Expect this kind of life. And Christians, when you share with other people, make sure you're not just talking about heaven and hell. Some people you're talking to still got another 50 years on planet Earth to live. 
And they need to have a little bit more than that going for them every single day. Would you agree? So we could be a lot more holistic, I think, when we share what Christianity is all about. If we would be these kind of people and share this kind of message, I think um, a lot more people would look at churches in general and not feel quite so repelled from it. The only thing that makes sense to me is that this majestic, creative, glorious, powerful, loving, all-knowing God, that his mission would be that, that every human on earth would experience shalom. I'd like to pray with you, and, and uh, I, want, I want to talk to two groups of people, some of you who already have experienced this experience. It's called salvation, the fullness of salvation. And uh, I want to pray for you that you become even a brighter light. For some of you who aren't sure whether you have or not, or you never have, you know you've never, like said, Holy Spirit, take over Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Uh, you've never said take over my life, come into my heart, or anything like that. I want to just give you a chance, because um, shalom can be in you right this minute. And I'm telling you, it will. For those of us who've experienced this, it's kind of like, really? It's like a curtain has been pulled back, and reality appears. It's the goodness of God is everywhere. So let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the beautiful pictures that you paint in Scripture, Lord, about what you're really like. And thank you so much, Lord, for the, uh, the work that you've already done in our behalf. And thank you so much, Lord God, that no matter how wide that gap is, no matter how hot the flames of hell might be, they're nothing to you. So remind us constantly, Lord God, that your grace is greater than any wrongdoing on our parts, that your forgiveness is immediate any time we acknowledge that we've done them. And Father, I pray right now for the, for the believers among us, the followers of Jesus who are here, Lord. Would you, first of all, remind us to pursue you, the source of our shalom, not the things you provide to find our happy button. Would you remind us to pursue you first and then watch as you provide the good things all around us. And Lord, for the believers here, I, I pray that you would... Um, just help us understand that the people around us are just like us. They have the same fears and the same longings that we do. And the solution for them is the same as it is for us. So help us to just relax a little bit more, be more realistic, more human with one another, especially those who haven't met you before. Help us to be um, just honest about our own brokenness as well as your goodness. And just try to relate on a, on a human level about this glorious life that can be theirs as well. Give us courage, Lord God. Give us boldness. Help us not be chickens. Help us not need a building to burn down before we take you seriously. And Father, for those who aren't sure or never have met you personally and asked you to come and live inside them, would you give them courage right now to pray with me and... Uh, to agree with me. And I'm going to do that right now. For those of you who want to, I'd like you to just pray along silently or you can mouth the words. You can just say, yes, that's me or anything like that. I'm just going to go ahead and pray a prayer for you and I would love for you to just embrace it as your own. God, thank you for never giving up on me. Thank you for sending Jesus so I can see what you're really like. I acknowledge that I can't reach you on my own. 
no matter how good of a person I am. I recognize I will never be truly satisfied apart from you. So I receive you into the center of my being. Thank you for forgiving me, for rescuing me from punishment, and for accepting me with open, open arms. I am now a child of God. I believe your promise. You said it. I believe it. Therefore, it's true. Help me now to learn how to let you make me whole, to be my joy, my completeness, and to give my life purpose and meaning. Amen. 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 Now, if you prayed that prayer, I would like you to tell three people this week. Hey, I, I prayed this kind of prayer at church. Tell somebody. Because what will happen is an even further dose of reality will set in. God's spirit will begin to come alive in you, come awake in you. And it'll help you cement what you just did. And with that, what I want to ask you to do is go out, be shalom to somebody this week. In fact, be shalom to everybody. Be the life of Christ everywhere you go, okay? I think my bagels and locks are about ready, so God bless you. See you next Sunday. Thank <laughs> you.